Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanowski and today we're studying Tractate A. Ruvin, page Ayin Aleph, or page 71. We'll continue our discussion of the Rishut and also talk about the difference between symbolic Eruvin and, or, or the non-difference between symbolic Eruvin and, and real partnership. So, to remind you, yesterday we talked about whether or not an heir who did not own the, the uh, zone on uh, when Shabbat began, then had the power once Shabbat began to renounce ownership so that the Eru could proceed without him or her. Today we're going to uh, talk about a similar case, but what I want to let it lead to is a theoretical point, which I think you'll find interesting and have some practical applications for how it is that people observe Shabbat. The limiting case yesterday was about an heir who acquired the, the property uh, upon the death of a parent after Shabbat. Today we're going to talk about uh, a different kind of heir, a, uh, a full-born Jew and a converted Jew. Uh, we tend to think nowadays appropriately that that Converted Jews are 100% full members of the community. In Talmudic times, it was largely the case, but there were some differences. And the Ger, the converted Jew, is the example of somebody who is kind of socially isolated, in particular in the following way. This person has no heir. Now, obviously, if a, if a, if a Ger, if a converted Jew, married somebody, and then married into a family, and then had children, then they, they would have heirs. But the person that we're imagining now came, joined the Jewish people, and is kind of isolated and has no heirs. And they live next door to a, a sort of more fully integrated Jew, socially integrated Jew. Then the person dies. Okay? Now, all of that person's property is, in the legal sense, lacking, you know, intestate, the person's property is hefker. Anybody can take it. So, it's owners. So, the Jew um, acquires the property, after Shabbat began, at least as one of the one of the the applications uh, proffered, acquire the property after Shabbat began. Does that person now have to have to renounce or not? Well, that's not the question that I want to focus on. What interests me is the concept of whether or not people acquire property on Shabbat. Something small, it could be like a free newspaper. Or if I give you a gift on Shabbat, does it, do you, uh, do you acquire that ownership? This will be further brought into our discussion because Beit Shammai is of the opinion, is recorded here that Beit Shammai is of the opinion that this whole concept of Bitul Rishut cannot exist on Shabbat itself. It can only exist before Shabbat because to nullify your ownership in this courtyard zone, is like granting somebody else new ownership, which should be forbidden on Shabbat. And Beit says, no, renouncing ownership is a symbolic gesture of istaluke reshuta. It is the voiding of ownership. It is not the conferring of new ownership, and therefore is permitted on Shabbat. 
So Beit Hillel says that it is okay to to nullify your your ownership in the in this communal zone, but he agrees, or they agree, presumably with Beit Shammai, that confirming new ownership would in fact be forbidden on Shabbat. And so this, by the way, is a you know it, it's a in in many casual cases I think we do give gifts, we bring things to people, but as a halachic matter, the truth of the matter is that you are not really supposed to give over ownership to to somebody else of something on Shabbat. You're not supposed to acquire ownership of something on Shabbat. And this is a prohibition de Rabbanan, a prohibition of the stat, status of rabbinic legislation. Why? Well, because basically it's like doing business. Um, you know, if, if I give you a little green piece of paper that has numbers on it, printed by the government, that's commerce. If I give you something that I bought with my green piece of paper, well, that also very closely looks like commerce. And so as a matter of halakha nowadays, uh, you are not supposed to acquire or to confer ownership on Shabbat. But, you'll say to me, you remember what I said at the beginning of today's broadcast, which is the imagining of the, the, the owner's property of the intestate converted Jew who dies, and it is acquired after Shabbat has already begun. So I, I said to myself, how do these two things possibly coincide? The prohibition on being machna reshud, of, of conferring ownership, and the possibility that one could, could take possession of healthcare property on Shabbat. So there's a couple of answers. First of all, there is, uh, in principle, because it's a Darabinan prohibition to, to acquire ownership of a rabbinic legislation prohibition, there are other overriding mitzvah, mitzvah uh, imperatives. So, for example, if you found, God forbid, a lost pair of tefillin or a lost Sefer Torah that was, that was abandoned, you could take possession of that because that would be a mitzvah. You could take possession, perhaps, of, uh, you know, I don't know, some, some ritual object or maybe conceivably food for a Shabbat meal or something like that because that is for the sake of a mitzvah, but not some other product. Alternatively, and this is the thing that I want to call to your attention, uh, as I was searching around through the material uh, for today's today's page, um, I found a, a, an important 18th century authority, Rabbi Akiva Eger, who, who addressed exactly my problem. Uh, how is it possible that the, that, the, that the intestate convert property can be seized and given ownership on Shabbat if you can't take ownership on Shabbat? Well, that, that's what it means, that it is dirabanan. We discourage, we forbid you, we the rabbis, forbid a Jew from uh, from taking ownership and granting ownership on Shabbat, but once it is done, it is nonetheless a valid act. The final point I want to make about today's page is the next item, which is to say that um, people who live next to each other in these courtyards or in these alleyways have to make symbolic eruvin, but our... our um, Mishnah also raises the possibility that if you are in fact genuine business partners, if you are in fact genuine business partners, if you uh, each have uh, a stake in a business together that you're running in the courtyard, then you don't have to do a uh, then you don't have to do a, uh, a symbolic eruv because you in fact have a real one. You are in fact partners with a shared stake in the courtyard. Uh, the, the page will go on to 
flesh out some of the some of the halakhic specificities of this. But I thought that was quite interesting. We we have these symbolic eruvin, but in some cases they're not even necessary because we have wheel partnerships. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.